Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Would you guys stand with me? Thank you so much. As we begin the day today, just following the advice of one of my dear friends, and he's absolutely right, we know that uh, Israel is being attacked by now, or today, we started the other day, of course, on Saturday morning or Friday evening, depending on how you want to look at it. And, you know, the Bible says to pray for Israel, doesn't it? Uh, Psalms chapter 1, verse, or excuse me, Psalms 122, verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that they shall prosper that love thee. Verse 7, peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. Verse 8, for my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say peace be within thee. So to begin service, we're just going to pray for Israel. How does that sound? Right there, would you bow your head with me as you pray and I pray? Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy, and it's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that we come before you. Father, we understand that there has been a deliberate attack on Israel, God, and not only do we love our brothers and sisters really all throughout the world, God, but we also know that your word commands us to pray. So we bow a moment and say, God, bring peace. We pray for comfort inside those walls, God, comfort in the towns, God. We pray for the discernment and wisdom for the ones who lead the country, for the commanders and the military, God. Let them make swift and decisive action, God. Let them have supernatural power to do what they need to do. These are your people chosen and called by you, Father. So we bow our hearts to you and pray for peace, God. But, Father, we understand the tragedy of war that on both sides there will be the loss of innocence in life, God, and we pray that you would comfort every family, which you would comfort, God, those ones who have lost more than we can fathom, that your grace and mercy would be upon them in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for doing that with us. Um, we know that there's been several hundred people killed on both sides, and then also um, thousands wounded, and uh, we want to make sure that we lift up Israel in prayer. We're going to start part two of our series called Seasons here, and we're going to start in Galatians. Now, we're going to do the whole book of Galatians, but don't let that scare you. We're going to talk through it today. Instead of picking a story that we could talk about seasons, and there's plenty of them um, that we could choose throughout where God takes them from one spot to the next and to the next. As I begin to study this book, I begin to realize that that's what um, God was using Paul to do to his friends. Now, I don't want to act like they're in the midst of a season because it doesn't really talk about reaping and planting and multiplying. But what it does have everything to do with is there's some false teachers who has come into church. They're Judaizers. And they've come in in the text. And they began to talk to these um, these individuals who've given their life to Christ, who have found that grace and mercy and salvation is found only in one person, one name, and that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not a matter of what we have to do except for accept Him. And they came in and they began to say, well, you have to go back and have physical features done. You have to go back and be up with the feast and all these things that you had to do that Paul writes to him and he says in chapter 3 who has bewitched you to think that you have to do these things that's not what you have to do true salvation is found in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and he gives us the grace to continue to go through so as I begin to read this I begin to thank God I'm going to use this text because what I want to show this morning is a how we can get stuck in a season and then how do we embrace the upcoming season in our life so that we can be successful 
Many of us don't want to stay in the season that we're in forever, but because of a lack of knowledge, maybe a lack of willingness to move forward or to change, sometimes it keeps us where we're at. And we all love the word change, don't we? Oh, yes, we love it. The only kind of change we want is the one in our pocket, and most of that time that's annoying, and we want to put it somewhere else, don't we? So change is something we all deal with. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, Paul is writing to his friends here. And I love it because he's winding up his, his letter here. And he gets down here to the very last part, and he's about to get, get on to some personal things here. But he leaves them with this. He says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And that's what I want to encourage you with today. That's the word that I believe that maybe the Lord would have for you. This Whatever season you're in, please don't give up on doing what you know to do and do it right. Because the promise is that whenever we do it God's way and we do it right, we will reap what we sow. Amen? So I don't know your situation and what you're going through. And it's not always a horrible season. Sometimes, man, it is amazing. God has put you in a prosperous season. You're being fruitful. It seems like everything your hands touch turns to gold. It's wonderful. Well, we can get our eyes off the Lord in those seasons just like we can when it seems like all hell's been turned loose to us. Amen? And we, either way, we can get into self. We can get into iniquity is how the Bible puts it, where we become doers of iniquity or doers of self. And then we begin to chase the things of this world and chase the things that our desire wants that our desires want and that our heart wants. And we have to be careful and guard ourselves. So Paul is writing, despite the problems, despite the circumstances, despite the things that they're faced with and even the mistakes that they have made, Paul still ends his letter with this understanding. Listen, you do it and don't grow weary of doing good, but in due season you will reap if you do not give up. So look at your neighbor and say, don't give up. Amen, amen. Look at him again and say, boomer sooner. <laughs> We won't, we won't finish that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. None of us are any richer because of that, but it's fun to say. Some of us are a little bit happier because of that. Some aren't, but that's okay. Paul is writing here, and he says, listen, do good and do it with all your heart. It doesn't really matter the season that you're in, and that's what we want to take. And the last couple, or excuse me, the last week we talked about how we understood that time and seasons and purpose are all wrapped up together. And whenever we lose time and we miss a season, we really leave some purpose unfulfilled if we're not careful. It's one thing to be going through a season that God has put you in and you feel like you've lost a couple things. Amen? And, and that's whenever God promises that if you'll do it my way, I'm going to make some stuff spring forth in your life and it's going to be amazing. But whenever we step out of God's season and step into our own season, or whenever we're trying to say, God, I'm ready to drive the vehicle, and we kick him out of the driver's seat and we slide over and then we begin to lose sight some stuff. We say, oh God, why haven't you replaced it? Why? So we can get back in the driver's seat and do it all again next month? That's the reason why he does it, because he's got some stuff he wants to teach us. Amen. He's got some stuff that he wants to speak to us. And we're not made to be stuck in the season that we're in. And we're also not be made to be scared of the season we're going into. Now, does that mean it won't rock us? Does that mean it won't be fun? Does that mean it won't be frustrating and aggravating? Oh, no, it could mean all of those things without a doubt. But one thing that we do know is Christ is our Savior. Amen. And we can take his promise that, God, if it's a prosperous season or it's a hard season, if I do my very best to do good and do what you tell me to do, then I know at the end of this thing I'll reap more than I've sown. Amen. Because you can't outgive God no matter how hard you try. He has a way of doing it. It's like an ear of corn. You put one kernel in the ground and multiple ears pop up. 
I'm telling you, God has shown us that. So we want to make sure that we don't leave any unfulfilled purpose on the table. We do everything that we possibly can. And we don't want to not move forward because of a lack of understanding. Last week we talked a little bit about Paul and Timothy. He wrote to his young protege, chapter 4, verse 5 of 2 Timothy. And he says, As for you, always be sober-minded, enduring suffering, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. And he gave us four different things in there. Have a clear mind, get ready to suffer, be an evangelist no matter what, and fulfill what God has told you to do. He told him four simple things, and I want to catch you up. So we've already talked about what we do in the midst of a hard season or even a good season. We still keep our eyes on there. But now what do we do, God, whenever we feel like we're stuck in a season? How do we, how do we get out of that season? How do we recognize that you're changing seasons? That's a big one, isn't it? God, how do I know that you're changing seasons in my life, that this is not some just grandiose ideal or this is not something that's just meant to complicate my life more, but you're actually changing seasons and what you're doing that. And God will do that from time to time, won't he? He really will. And sometimes those seasons will change because we're trying to follow the Lord and do the things that he's called us to do. Sometimes those uh, uh, seasons change changes just because natural attrition. And then sometimes it changes because we've done some kind of really non-smart thing. Amen. And now we're in a season where we're reaping a bunch of stuff we don't want to really reap. But we have to eat it anyways. If you plant peas, you get to eat peas. Amen. How about you? But I don't like peas, so I don't want to eat that. Okay. <laughs> I don't like beets either, man. Oh, brutal, man. I, I guess I could try some of them. I don't know. But I just, turnips. My mom, my dad came home one day and they had this big box of turnips sitting by the door. And somebody from their garden had given them. Well, my mom was pretty, pretty sharp whenever she would cook. So she took those and cut them up into thin slices and laid them in a pan and then put cheese over them. And they looked like all rotten potatoes, you know what I'm talking about? So, man, I'm big scoops on my plate, dude. And we had a rule. Whatever you put on your plate, sucker. They didn't put it to me like that, but that's funnier, you know. Whatever you, put, whatever you put on your, sound like Mr. T suck a fool. No, uh, whatever, whatever you put on your plate, you gotta eat. And I'm like, man, I can, I can dig into these potatoes. Well, it turns out they were turnips. I don't know if I've ever eaten another turnip in my life. Now I'm hesitant about like, is that really potatoes? I mean, really? Because last time, this is brutal, brutal. First world problems, right? I'm worried about eating turnips instead of potatoes. But you guys understand what I mean on that. But, but, but what you sow is what you reap, and you've got to be careful because this is the thing. What we sow is what we reap, and what we reap is what we eat. It's what we have to live. I'm in counseling sessions all the time with, with young couples getting married. And I'm like, listen, if you're doing it the wrong way right now, just because you got married, that's not repentance. That's part of doing it the right way. But if you can live like you're married and you're really not married, there's an issue there with the heart. And I'm here to help you. And I love you and I care about you and all that other stuff. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you. But this is the reality. Is you're planting some seed right now that will spring up later. It will manifest itself. So be ready for that. Because what we sow is what we reap. What we reap is what we eat. And what we eat is how we live. So we want to be careful about that. So no matter what season we're in, we're trying to reap as good as we can. But God, how do I make sure that I don't stay in this season? Or how do I know? I guess my first question is simply this. How do I know the season's even changing? How do I know that things are going on and, and not working right? Um, I don't know about you guys, but around here, um, you know, I have 22 trees in my yard. 
So whenever we begin to rake up leaves at the end of fall, close to December around here, <laughs> whenever we rake those up, sometimes I can get 100 bags of those big 55-gallon trash bags. I live on a lot and a half, and I can get about 100 of those suckers, man. There's all kinds of leaves. But for me, it seems like it does one of two things. It never seems to, I never seem to look up in the trees, and it seems to be beautiful. You know, it's like they're green leaves, they protect me from the sun, and then all of a sudden they all fall out and turn to brown, and now i am just got some dead-looking trees in my yard. Does anybody else know how that happens? It's kind of hard sometimes on the, on, the, on the turning of the seasons. When I was up in Illinois at the National Minnows Conference, it was a great time, and I talked about my little bike ride that I did, and what they had done is taken an old uh, train track and turned it into a bike, uh, a bike uh, road, if you will, and it went through about two counties or so, maybe more. And I remember when I first got on that, that my heart just smiled. I almost cried because it was just so beautiful. As I was riding down the um, bike path, as I was riding across the bridges, I began to see all these leaves blow across the road, and I began to see the different colors. You know, they don't just turn from green to brown up north. They, <laughs> it seems like they, they have a little bit of depth to them. I guess maybe I haven't been always in the right spot in Oklahoma. I know it does. But, but there it was so beautiful. They begin to turn, and then I would drive past fields, and they were beginning to be harvested. So they would have their big combines, and the fields were ready to be harvested. And they'd be out there doing that, and you'd see the grain coming in to the big combine um, trucks and all these different things. And I, I, it was one of, my, one of the times in my life I was like, man, I get to be right here in the midst of a changing season. I was able to ride, and it was nice and cool and all these different things that I thought, man, I can actually see that the signs of the season changing. Well, the first thing that we have to ask ourselves is, how do we know when, we're, when the season is changing? We have to look for the signs. We have to admit that, God, I need to look for the signs. Now, this is the thing. You might be in my situation in my yard where I wonder sometimes, man, where the signs go? Sometimes there's a little bit harder to see than other times. Amen? Sometimes, but other times, God will begin to change you seasons, and you can see the signs begin to pop up. There'll be some things that happen in your life, maybe even in your spirit that's beginning to position you and saying, okay, this is the next place I have for you. This is the next situation. So begin to let that stirring happen. Now, sometimes that change can take a, a year or six months or maybe even two years, but there's that season that begins to change in your heart. But you have to be willing to say, God, am I opening my eyes to the sign that you're changing things? Let me be aware of that, God, that you're moving me from one place to the next because what I don't want to do is be stuck in this season, be stuck in a place, God, that you're asking me to move on from. And in Galatians, as Paul is writing to them, he's saying, listen, you guys are going backwards. See, God never wants us to go backwards, amen? If we wander around, that's our own fault, <laughs> okay? God wants us to go into the promised land or go into that next thing, if you will. If we turn around and go back, and that's what Paul's writing to his friends here in Galatians, he's saying, listen... I brought you the true revelation, the true gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. And here you are, you've let some people creep into the church, and now all of a sudden they're saying that you've got to go back where your salvation is found on what you have done. How many of us know our salvation is not found on what we've done, but it's found on what Jesus Christ did for us? Amen. And he's saying, quit going back. Sound, I feel like Daffy Duck up here, man. I'm spitting, spitting everywhere. He says, don't, just being honest, y'all saw it, okay? You saw it. People are going to start carrying umbrellas, you know. It's okay. It's okay, really. We're family. <laughs> and if you, we're family, too, with you guys. On the, yeah, thank you. Whoever's watching. All 2,000. No, I'm just kidding. But as God takes us to that next place, to that next season, we have to be willing to say, God, 
What, what are you positioning me for? Because what I don't want to do is go backwards. I don't want to repeat this season possibly. Because even if it's a fruitful season and a prosperous season, it won't be the second time. It's not like we can stay and hit the rewind button and we keep getting there and keep getting there. There's things that God teaches us in each season and we have to move on. And Paul is writing to the Galatians and saying, listen, why are you guys going back to where you came from? Don't do that. It's not based off of those physical things. It's based off of what Christ did and how he comes into our heart and to our life. And you have to recognize the signs. He was saying, listen, you have to recognize that these guys are false teachers and they're coming in and teaching something that is not the gospel. Open up your eyes and recognize what is going on. Because this is the thing. Even if they didn't want to recognize what was going on, those people would still be preaching the gospel that was not the true gospel. In our lives, even if we don't recognize that the season's changing, guess what? The seasons are still going to change and the time marches on and we still leave unfulfilled purpose on the table and we don't want to do that as Christians. Amen? So God, help me recognize, help me see the signs, even if I don't agree with them, even if I don't want to see them, because I really like where I'm at. But this is the difficult part too. Many of us get used to the pain, get used to the frustration and the aggravation and the unforgiveness because we've learned how to operate in that chaos and that mess. And it's a lot easier to operate in what I'm familiar with than what God's asking me to let go of. And God is stirring up in your hearts and getting you ready for some stuff. So see the signs and say, God, help me. Open up my eyes to see what you're trying to do, how you're trying to move me so I will not hang hang back and do what you said. Quicksand's an unusual thing. So whenever we go and go to the movies and we see people fall in quicksand, what we typically see is them sink low, 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 low. That's really not the way that quicksand works. The way that quicksand works is you'll be, if you're out in the wild and you get stuck in it, really your feet or your limbs or whatever's caught in there, you just get stuck. It's whenever you go to panicking and you start moving around that you kind of start sinking, get lower and lower and lower. Does that make sense? But if you will remain calm and try to remove that limb from one place to the other to the other, and you do it slowly and you do it with calmness, then a lot of times you can get out of it. It's not like what we think. In our, in our lives, we can get caught up in this season, and it can be like quicksand. And either way, where God will really enjoy it, and we go into a panic because we think you're going to try to do something new, and we begin to get shaky, and we begin to get stuck. Or the other way is, God, am I ever going to get out of this? Am I ever going to be able to go forward? God, I feel like I'm stuck. And we get in that quicksand, and we start moving, as opposed to doing what we need to do and say, listen, God, I'm going to remain calm because you're sovereign, and you can work past some of the mistakes that I make. You love me so much that your plan is going to happen anyway, so all I want to do is get in line with your plan. So I'm going to stay calm and say, God, that you're moving in my life, and I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm not going to... The the, the adrenaline, what we know as adrenaline, is a neurochemical. And, And what it does is it makes you move faster. Adrenaline makes you move faster and makes you do things that you normally wouldn't do and makes you be able to do things you normally wouldn't do. What adrenaline doesn't do is always make you smarter. So you got all this adrenaline pumping through your body because you're not having faith in what God's doing. And it doesn't make you any smarter. It just makes you move a whole lot faster. Now we're in a bigger bind because we didn't sit back. Have any of you guys ever been in a bind before? The other day, I'm driving down the road about six or eight months ago, and I love my little thermos with my coffee cup on the top, and I'm unscrewing that little coffee cup, and I'm putting it in there, and everything's going great. And I'm out on the back roads here, probably Plato there, east of town. And, of course, it's got the cork in it. So you unscrew the cork, you pour it in the cup, and you hold the cup in it. Well, that's great unless you're driving. (laughs) 
So I've got this great idea. I'm going to pour the coffee cup, do all that. And then what I do is I take that coffee cup and I hook it in my teeth. So I'm just kind of holding it right there while I'm screwing this. Oh, yeah, it gets worse. While I'm screwing this on there. So I've got, you know those uh, new Wrangler britches that are out kind of like parachute pants are really thin? Super comfortable, though. But they are not, they, they don't protect you from the heat anyways. Um, I was doing, everything was okay. Everything was okay. It was a great plan. It was a great plan until all of a sudden the road dipped down real fast. And then when it did, that cup came out of my mouth and uh, spilt all over my britches and stuff. And I want to tell you, I was in a bind, man. I was, <laughs> I was pulled over on the side of the road and stretching out my britches, man, trying to, it was, a, it was, it was if you would have saw your pastor that day, it would have been horrible. You'd have kept driving like, that dude's filled with the Holy Spirit over there, you know. He's dancing around. Something's going on. I was in a bind. I was in a bind. Well, that's what happens sometimes whenever we get full of adrenaline and we say, God, I'm going to take over the reins and do it my way. As opposed to saying, God, show me the signs. And as the signs show and they get more intense, then I know what to do. So I'm going to embrace this thing and walk forward. Amen. Don't get caught in that quicksand. Paul helps us also understand some other things. So three of the things that I just want to briefly talk about here that will help us is what do we do whenever we're trying to move to that next season? What do we do? How, who, what do we rely on? How do we push through? Because God is going to take you to that next place. So to bring it down to earth a little bit, it might be you're to the point in your marriage where you've kind of restored some stuff, and now you're asking God, how do we continue to get along? Anybody ever been there? How do we continue to get along? Don't raise your hands. I'm just kidding. You're like, I wasn't going to anyways. Is it okay? Is it okay? We all have marital problems. Amen. It happens, you know. But you might be in a different situation. You might be in a job situation or another relational situation, and you're thinking, okay, God, how do I get to this next season? It's, it looks like it's going to be um, good, or maybe it's going to be difficult, whatever it's going to be. How do you do that? And Paul helps them understand this is how you do not go back to where you came from. You do not go back. And the first thing that he helps them in is he says, listen, what you're on right now, my friends, is just a walk of faith. And I would love to say that, that there's another way to explain it, but the reality is our relationship with Jesus Christ is a walk of faith, amen? There's going to be some things that I don't understand, that I don't see, that I don't have the answers to, and God is leading me and telling me to go this way, and I feel it in my heart, and I feel it in my soul, and it clicks with my mind, and it clicks with my spirit, but it doesn't always make sense. Anybody ever been there? It doesn't, it, it, it's like what these guys, but it makes more sense. I go back here to this physical part and I do the rituals and I do the feast because that's something that I can taste, touch, and smell. But Paul, you're preaching to us that everything that I've ever needed is found in Jesus Christ and he gave his heart and he died on a cross and it's almost too good to be true news. Yes, that's what I'm telling you to do. Because it's a walk of faith. And in our seasons, it's simply a walk of faith. Galatians chapter 20 verse, or excuse me, chapter 2 verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Where's my faith found in? It is the Son of God. He writes again in Galatians chapter 3 verse 11, the just shall live by faith. In Galatians chapter 1, he talks about this revelation of Jesus Christ that he brought. And he said, listen, it was so real to me and I'm walking in faith. In other words, I'm not asking you to do something that I haven't done. This is so real to me that faith in Jesus Christ, that when I begin to preach this, people begin to say, whoa, wasn't that the guy who used to persecute and destroy people of the faith? Now all of a sudden people are glorifying God, God because of his new message. I mean, think about that lifestyle change. 
Did Paul understand all of that? He got revelation from Jesus Christ. Do you think in all the stuff that he knew of his old life? See, that's what we can't assume here is we can't assume that, that, that or we don't want to assume for sure that Christ is or that Paul is right to the Galatians. He's not saying the season of your life before you got saved. See, that's your old life. It says, behold, we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. So that he's talking about another season like you've met Christ and now I'm trying to get you further along in the revelation of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, listen, you can't go back, but you've got to realize that this is a walk of faith. There's going to be things you don't understand, and you're going to question, and you're going to have to have the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's going to be some things that you're going to want to go to that you're going to have to let go of. There's going to be some things in your life that God's trying to push you to one spot, but you're hanging on to something over here, but he's trying to take you to another place. I was eating dinner with Anthony Sykes. He was in the Oklahoma State Senate for multiple years, 2006 to 2018. Um, and it was an interesting conversation. I met him in the bank, and he's a nice guy. And I sat down with him and just shared lunch with him. I said, I said Anthony, I said, I was just curious about your life. I said, how did you deal with the change? Here you go from being an attorney to all of a sudden, now you have all these different pools on you from the state as you are representing District 24. And, and we shared a great lunch, and he had a lot, of, a lot of good things that he poured into my life. But there was one walk away that I asked him for permission to say. He said, Matt, he said, I knocked on over 20,000 doors before I was elected. 20,000 of them. And he said, at 6.30, there was a particular show that came on, and it took place in Springfield. Every night, I had to sit down and watch this one show. And he said, I loved it. And he said, I wasn't going to give up that time. Then all of a sudden, he understood this that his mission was to get to the Capitol to be elected. And for him to get to the Capitol, he had to leave Springfield. I thought, what a great thing. What, what a great way to think about it. He said, Matt, I had to leave Springfield so I could get to the Capitol. What is God telling you in faith that you have to let go of so you can get to the place that God's calling you to? Because where you're at right now is not our final destination. Amen. And we have to be willing to let go of some things on the way that he's got. So what do you have to let go of? What do I have to let go of? It's a walk of faith. It's not going to make sense. It's not going to be fun. But we have to choose to walk it by faith. Paul continues here. He understands that, listen, guys, if you're going to really walk in this and go to that next level in place in Christ, then you have to accept the freedom found only in Christ. I love Galatians chapter 5. For freedom, uh, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. He's saying, listen, you've left that yoke of slavery. You've left that yoke that you were tied to the law. And now you understand the freedom that is truly found in Christ Jesus. Why do you want to go back to where you came from whenever God's got so much more ahead of you? And he said, listen, you have to get used to the freedom. You have to get used to understanding that Christ loves us more than we can imagine and that he can handle our failures and our mistakes. There's a much different thing of saying, listen, God, I'm going to continue on in my sin as opposed to God. You've shined the light and I have sin in my life. I'm going to repent. It was, a snake. it was a mistake that I'm going to move on. Amen? But he's saying, listen, why would you want to go back to the law, that very thing that enslaved you that you were tied to and you didn't have the freedom that you needed? 
And it shows them that that spirit of fear begins to well up in them. It's what 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7, whenever Paul writes to Timothy, he did not give you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And you see that in the scripture here, whenever these guys are wanting to go back and saying, yeah, but I can understand this. It seems like I can touch, taste, and smell this. It seems like I can go back. And Paul is saying, but don't go back. What thing in your life do you struggle with the letting go? God's trying to convince you that what he has for you over here to let go of is greater, is less than what he's going to take you to. And you think you're experiencing freedom. I think I'm experiencing freedom at times, but really it has me tied. God wants me to experience his freedom, and he's writing to him, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that they might receive adoptions as son. And because they are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then you are then an heir through God. It's an amazing thing to think about that. That's the freedom. We get caught in the season that we're in. And God is trying to say, listen, i got to move you on. You don't realize it, but you're trapped and trying to move you to that next place. And we have to embrace the freedom that God has given us, a freedom to worship, a freedom to love, a freedom of faith. And that's what he writes here in Galatians, um, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. He teaches us two concepts, really, about the freedom from and the freedom for. And what the freedom from is, is walking back into the history, walking back and having those things bound to us that we've already let go of. But what we get to embrace is hope and faith and love. We get to embrace the Spirit of God working in our life in a new level, opening up the wars and changing people's hearts and lives but we cannot do that if we're stuck in the season god open up our hearts so we can see the seasons change and then at the same time god we can have it as we go through it but we have to be opened up to the freedom freedom is a hard thing especially whenever you've been bound whenever you've had some things go wrong and you're like i just don't know what i can do with freedom it's unfamiliar it's one of those things that shows up and we think we have freedom, but then we realize how actual bound we really were to the sin, to our attitude, to our feelings, to our emotions, to the unforgiveness, to the frustration, to the anger. We didn't even really realize until we've got set free from that and we wake up two or three weeks later and we say, wow, I'm thinking clear. I'm no longer just thinking about that or that's guiding my thinking, but I wake up and say, Holy Spirit, guide me. And that's where he brings us to the third part is that we have to be willing to be led to the Holy by the Holy Spirit. So we realize that it's a faith walk. We realize that there's only freedom that can be found in Christ, but we realize that we're being led by the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit. <laughs> I love Paul because he doesn't throw any punches. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. John the Baptist put it like this in John chapter 3, verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. The only way to truly be led by the Holy Spirit is that I deny myself. If you want to truly be led by the Holy Spirit into the next season, what do you have to deny yourself? Because we're going to have to push down the flesh. I know this is not a super popular message, but we really have to say, God, I have to deny the flesh. If he's taking you into a new place and he's got new things for you, there's some things that you have to be willing to say, God, this is bringing me some fulfillment, maybe even a little bit of purpose, but not your purpose. I have to be willing to crucify that to get to where you're trying to lead me. But God, I don't want to just to do that, to do that. So could you show me what I need to do? Lead me, Holy Spirit, open up my heart, my mind. 
so I know what to put on that table because God, I don't want to miss the purpose. I don't want to leave unfulfilled purpose on the table. So whatever I've got to sacrifice in this life, I know that the sufferings of this time are temporal, but one day I'll get to spend with you, amen? Sometimes you just got to preach that to yourself and remind yourself because we all get locked into the material possessions of the world. Oh, it's so easy. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Doesn't that sound so holy? That's hard. That's hard. The Holy Spirit. You can be led by a bunch of spirits. <laughs> it's different when I want the channel of the Holy Spirit to be in my heart and my life. That means I've got to close my eyes to some things. I've got to close my ears to some things. I've got to shut some people down that I don't want speaking into my life. There's some things that I have to be willing to do to truly be led by the Holy Spirit and have my life and my heart open. Galatians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. He continues, he says, listen, do not be led by your flesh. Your flesh is always going to be one, want to bring you back, but I don't want you to be brought back. Chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. Let me ask you this one thing. Do you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? I mean, this is Paul. I mean, he's laying it down. Are you so foolish, having began by the Spirit... Are you now being perfected by the flesh? These people are leaning into the flesh and to the things, and they're not making a faith walk. They're not leaning into the Holy Spirit. How arrogant and conceited can we get sometimes? God, you've brought me every good thing in my life because it says every good thing comes from you. Yet I have a tendency to climb in the driver's seat because things are getting a little scary. Things are getting a little bit shaky. You're trying to ask me to put down some things that, that's hard on my flesh. And all of a sudden I get arrogant and think I can take it over by myself. I mean, we see ourselves in this scripture, amen? God's trying to lead us to that next season, to that next place, to that place of growth, to that place that he really wants to reveal some things in his word to us. And he's saying, but listen, you've got to sacrifice this. You've got to give up this because I want to bring you to this next spot. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and wooing us, but we're so arrogant at times. We say, no, I'm not willing to lay that down. We're going to do it my way. And we reap what we sow. We eat what we reap and we live what we, we eat. We're so arrogant at times, aren't we? Paul is saying to him, listen, you got to stay close to the Holy Spirit. Flesh didn't get you to where you're at. The revelation of Jesus Christ is what got us the good in our life. Amen. Castellius are found in Tarragona. And what it is, is a, it's a foundation of people, if you will. What they do is they get this mass foundation of people, and then they begin to stack other people, and it's a tower of people. And sometimes it can go nine or ten stories high. And the people at the bottom are linked together, and they're holding hands however they hold hands, and they're all linked together to kind of spread out the weight, because you can imagine stacking ten or twelve people high. And they said the hardest part about the tower is the last piece. The last piece is usually a smaller human that climbs up to the very top. And that's when you have to have the most stability. Because that one starts from the bottom and climbs up and climbs up and climbs up. And then begins to stand on the top, nine or ten people high. And they say this is the amazing part about that. The strength of that comes from one thing. 
It comes from the base, the foundation, if you will. The people who are on the foundation holding hands and keeping that grip locked together. That's what keeps it from tumbling all down. It's not necessarily the acrobats, if you will, of being able to get up there and things like that. It's when their hands are put together and they're tied. That makes the difference. Can I tell you what makes the difference in our life? If you will, is the grip that we have on the Holy Spirit and what we're allowing the Holy Spirit to do in our life. It's for everything else that we stack upon. But God, I've got to make sure my foundation's right as you're moving me to a new season. You're asking me to walk in faith. I want to be willing to do that. You're asking me to accept some things. I'm willing to be able to do that. God, it's kind of what David prayed. Take not thy spirit from me. God, wherever you lead me and whatever you tell me to do, I've got to have your Holy Spirit in my life. Because it's what will reveal to me. It's what really in some ways makes sense of this whole walk. Is the Spirit of the living God talking to us and He guides us and leads us. Amen. So don't be afraid. God's moving you. He's doing some stuff in your life. Don't be afraid. It is a walk of faith and it's going to be hard. Don't be afraid to go to that next season. If this one was good, I can't guarantee that the next one will be good. But what I can guarantee you is God will be with you the whole time. And in those moments you feel like you're insignificant, like you're not enough, like you can't do it, God will be with you. But sometimes we need to be reminded of that, don't we? Sometimes we just simply need to be reminded it's not always going to make sense. The journey that you have me on, God, is probably not even within my, my plan and scope of everything because you've done so much with my life. So I'll sit. And when I feel like I'm stuck in quicksand, I'll be calm. Because you're sovereign. And you can help me. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for these wonderful people today. God, I don't know the season that they're in or what they're struggling with, but you do. And it's important. And as always, God, we know that the very first thing that we have to do is give our heart and life to you or we're stuck in our old life, not in the new life. And we really can't even be getting on about what we're supposed to do because, well, we're stuck in our old life and it doesn't have purpose. So we have to invite you into our heart and surrender to you. But God, whenever we do that through Jesus Christ, we know that our life changes. And if there be anybody under the sound of my voice, God, that needs to do that, that they would surrender their heart and their life to you. God, they would make that move and begin to walk that direction. Would you stand up with me all across the auditorium? You're struggling with something, we're here to pray for you. We want you to know that. We're not here to judge, we're not here to do any of that. We're just here to be with you and pray with you in the season that you're in. Maybe it's one of those deals where you have plenty and you're just asking God, please let me use it correctly. Or maybe it's a very tough season. You're like saying, God, help me get this out. So altar workers, would y'all come slip down? And as the altar workers slip up, would you slip from your seats if you need prayer? Come on down. Come on down. If you need prayer, these altar workers are here to help you. We want to give you time. We want to pray with you, whatever you're going through. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray together. Feel free to slip down. We're here for you. Father, our hearts are bowed, and we thank you for your grace and your mercy. 
God, whatever season the wonderful people are in, God, that uh, you would speak to their hearts and their minds, God, that you would deliver them, that, God, you would teach them how to use what you've given them, Father, that you'd open up their eyes. But, God, one thing that I know of, you never want us to go back. So, Father, help us never to go back. But, God, help us to learn what we need to and embrace what you have before us, God, no matter the task. God, let us lay down what we need to. Thank you for speaking to your hearts, to our hearts this morning. Holy Spirit, have your way, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.